So, Dora of Hope, I have a question to ask you. When has the world been at its best? You can't have the Garden of Eden. That's out. I knew you were all going to say that. That's out. When has the world been at its best? Statistically speaking, it's when you were 10 years old. That moment in time when you understood good things and appreciated all the good things in your world, but maybe weren't quite old enough to really fathom the difficult things. Maybe for you it was nine, maybe it was 11, but it's around that time that researchers tell us our world is at its best. For me, it was when I could spend 20 cents to be at the pool all day, 50 cents for quite a hefty bag of mixed lollies, I just bought my $2 Kissingle. I had a VHS on order for Friday evening at the video shop. You could go down and pick it up. It was a new release. And most importantly, there was a fresh box of Vianetta in the deep freeze. That was 1988. It was a good year. 1988 was a good year. But after the age of 10, things predictably get a little bit less perfect. The brokenness of our world rears its head, and for today, so many of you might think, I'd really like to be 10 again. We are starting a series today called A Weary World, and it's our pre-Christmas series. And in December, things get a bit full, don't they? So we do some teaching and looking back on the Christmas story in November. So, Christmas, a weary world. And Toby has prepared a graphic for it. No, that's too Christmassy. Too Christmassy. Have we got another one? That one. <laughs> a bit different. We're going to leave the candy canes and the snow to December. But today we're going to focus on a weary world, and this is a three-part series that we'll be in in the next couple of weeks, looking at, as Jesus followers, what do we contend with? The world, that's what we'll be looking at today, our humanness, or the flesh, as Scripture calls it, next week, and then our enemy, Satan, in the third week. Three things that we have to contend with as humans that live in this world. And we'll be using the Christmas story as a bit of a a guide as we lead up to Christmas. The Christmas story. Mary and Joseph lived in the real world, and Jesus came into the real world. And they lived, you know, about zero AD. And they were in a weary and a waiting world. But their world didn't look like anything like our world, did it? It had, no, it had no similarities, really. The Roman Empire was officially in Pax Romana. I looked that word up, that phrase. It means the peace of Rome. Rome had gotten to the stage where it was doing quite well. It had emperors, it was conquering all the lands, and for about 200 years, they were in this Pax Romana. They had an emperor who saw themselves as God, and it was going pretty well. The culture was difficult, though, and often quite perverse. 
It was far less peaceful if you were one of the groups that were oppressed and conquered by the Romans, which was the case for the Jews where Mary and Joseph found themselves. This culture was obsessed with gods, gods that were fickle and petty and demanded things from the humans. They weren't kind, they weren't loving, they weren't humble, and they demanded that you looked a certain way and operated a certain way, had certain speech. They were interested in hierarchy and class and what you could give to them without any guarantee of return. The gods were not nice. The gods were not benevolent. They were fearful and angry gods. That's the world that the Jews found themselves living in, and they didn't want to be there. Leaders were immoral and confused and changed frequently. When a Roman emperor got stabbed in the back, someone else came up, not that they had anything to do with the stabbing in the back. They just happened to be there at the right time. Family was broken and corrupt. Children were worthless. Women were not valued at all. There were layers of waiting and layers of disruption and layers of weariness. And the Jews had a particular weight and weariness. N.T. Wright, in his book, The New Testament and the People of God, set out a list of things that Mary and Joseph's world were waiting for. They were waiting for a return to their promised land. They were waiting for a coming of a new age. They were coming, waiting for the general resurrection of the dead. They were waiting for the restoration of the temple, the actual building in Jerusalem. They were waiting for a new covenant to be instituted, for the giving of the Spirit across the whole world, not just for them, for everyone. They were waiting for a time when God would be the king, the only king in the whole of creation. They were waiting for God's anointed agent or the Messiah to come. They were weary with waiting. There were some clues that God was giving them. There were some prophets that were saying some things about the Messiah. There were stars and wise men saying maybe this could be happening. There was waiting. But they'd been waiting for a long time. Like There was like 400 years of silence before this. And all of the Old Testament history, there's a lot of waiting. Is weary, though, a weary world, is that a word that applies to us today? We've used it and we've entitled a series. Did we make a good decision? Is our world and culture peaceful? Is it at rest? Do we love God's laws? It's tiring, isn't it, to live in a culture where our values and love of God isn't reflected and sometimes opposed. It's tiring to live in a world that doesn't have hope or doesn't sound like there is. It's tiring to be in a world where it feels like the difficult parts of our life outweigh the good parts. We live in a post-10-year-old world. And actually, our scriptures give us lots of ways to express this, and a lot of them are in the Psalms. Have you heard of a lament psalm? A psalm where we tell God all the things that are wrong. Actually, half of our psalms are like this, about 65 of them. 
And this morning, we're going to read through one because it expresses so much what this weariness was like for the people in Jesus' time where he came to, but maybe it expresses our world as well and tells you a bit about why we chose the word weary. We're going to read from Psalm 74. Listen for how this psalm changes as we go through. Maybe pay attention to words that make you think about your world or the world of someone else that you're journeying with at the moment. Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nation you purchased long ago? The people of your inheritance whom you redeemed, Mount Zion where you dwelt. Turn your steps towards these everlasting ruins, all this destruction the enemy has brought on the sanctuary. Your foes roared in the place where you met us. They set up their standards as a sign. They behaved like men wielding axes to cut through the thicket of trees. They smashed all the carved panellings with their axes and hatchets. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defied your dwelling place of your name. They said in their hearts, we will crush them completely. They burned every place where God was worshipped in the land. We were given no signs from God, no prophets are left, and no one knows how long it will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment, get your hands out of your pockets, God, and destroy them. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea God, by your power, you broke the heads of the monster in the water. It was you who crushed the heads of the Leviathan and gave it as food for the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried the flowers of the ever-flowing river. The day is yours and yours also the night. You established the sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. Remember how the enemy mocked you, God? How foolish people have reviled your name? Don't hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant because haunts of violence fill the dark places of our land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. There's a lot of emotion in there. This psalm has three movements, did you notice? The first is the cry. Can you see what's happening? My enemies are everywhere. You said you would look after the sheep, that's us. That's the children of Israel. I'm not seeing you looking after us. The second is the hope, but. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation to the earth. You know, there's two lament psalms that have no hope. Google them and find them. 
Read them when you're in a good space. Only two. But God is my king. And the third is like a coming back to remind God what he should do. To remind them that we are here and bad stuff's still happening, God. Remember. A plea to engage, to help. These psalms help us voice the weariness. The psalmist is talking about an enemy, an oppressor, who is crushing the people and literally tearing down worship spaces. Mary and Joseph would have heard this psalm sung and connected pretty well. How do we receive this psalm? How do we read it? What do we think when we hear those words? We don't have anyone destroying or trying to destroy this building that we know of. We have the right to worship freely in Australia wherever we want. But we have hard things, don't we? Just like Mary and Joseph did. They were in this Jewish community of waiting, but she was a pregnant, unmarried woman. It's a significant challenge. Joseph was engaged to someone who was pregnant, not by him, significant challenge. There are also things that we face as individuals that are really hard and heartbreaking. And I know many of you are in it right now. And this psalm can talk to us too. You see, God gifted us his presence for these times. In the Old Testament, his presence was in the tabernacle, then it was in the temple. The Jews felt for 400 years his presence was, I don't know where. But we know through the Christmas story that Jesus' presence, God's presence came down in flesh, physically, just like we shared in communion, physically with us. But God, my king. God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation to the earth. Yes, he does. I just want to do a bit of a side note right now. Because there are people today, in 2023, there are churches who read that psalm very literally. North Korea, Eritrea, Yemen. You can't even have a building there. Iran, Nigeria, Pakistan. Your buildings will be dismantled. This is now the persecuted church. Read that psalm and it is a reality to them. Christians in Pakistan are considered second-class citizens. They face discrimination in everything they do. The jobs they can have are the lowly, dirty jobs because they're Christians. Christians only make up 1.8% of the Pakistani community and yet their blasphemy laws show up in a quarter of the arrests. A quarter of those arrested for blasphemy laws are Christians. Their churches are burned down. Their pastors are jailed and killed today. So yes, this psalm can talk to us of individual needs, and it talks to us beautifully of that and how Jesus can meet us. But there are people facing this psalm today. Maybe that's doing something in your heart Open Doors is a great resource if you want to investigate that a bit further. 
opendoors.org.au. They have lots of prayer information. They have lots of resources. You can give, you can pray. Maybe that's something that God's asking you to do today. Pray big prayers for the persecuted church. They need it. They really do. Our vision door of hope is to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world, yes? It's no mistake that Jesus Christ sits right in the middle of that vision statement because he's the center of everything we do. He's the center of our worship this morning. He's the center of our discipleship, how we disciple ourselves to him. He's the center of this church as well as the head. He can be both. But the central focus of God's grace is revealed in Jesus. The Gospels tell of his ministry, of his birth and death, and as we said in communion, how he brought salvation to us. And then we move into the book of Acts, where God again sent his presence to us in the form of the Holy Spirit, which is still with us today and dwelling in us and dwelling here. And then we see Paul's miraculous conversion, where he met Jesus face to face on the road to Emmaus. And he started being a missionary and taking this good news all over the world, and he made it to Asia. And in Acts 20, we read that towards the end of his missionary journeys, he's speaking to a church in Asia, and he's telling them that bad things are about to happen. And I want us to read a bit of that today. We're going to read from Acts chapter 20, verse 18. And it says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plot of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus. And now, as a captive of the Spirit, as someone who had the Holy Spirit dwelling within him, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. Would that not make you weary? (laughs) I know wherever I go, bad things are going to happen. And yet, he was going to go. Then he says, But I do not count my life of any value to myself. If only I may finish the course to testify to the good news of God's grace. Just like Paul, our world is weary. Just as every world has been weary since the beginning of time. Because as humans, we don't follow God's rule in our life. We don't follow what he wants us to do. What was Paul's response, though? What was his grand plan knowing imprisonment? He didn't set up this strategic, like, let's elude all of the enemies. No, he said, this is my plan to testify to the good news of God's grace. That's what he planned to do. That's what his response was. Because testimonies, truth, true stories are stories of God's presence with us. God's enabling 
his provision, his sustaining power, are how we know and experience him. Telling the truths are one way that we contend with this world. We speak into the world that God is here and this is what he's done. And those answers to prayer are evident all over this room, online, in our communities, in our families. I've experienced them, you've experienced them. Our hope stories that we had last week, and I would encourage you, if you didn't get to hear them or if you're online for the first time and you didn't hear them, go back, check out our website and listen to our hope stories, answers to prayer. But not only stories with a happy ending, Paul's story didn't have a happy ending. He went to Rome, he was imprisoned for years and not with a parole date, with probably death at the end, right? God's grace is often most evident to us when the prayers are not answered in the way we think they should be. The cancer coming back, the prodigal child not returning, not getting that job that we've prayed for and hoped for for months or years, that relationship not coming back together, actually the relationship finishing. God's grace and presence is in that door of hope. I had the privilege of journeying with six or seven mums uh, when I was getting ready to have Ivy, and then we formed a mother's group. And that mother's group stayed together for a long time, actually until many of us have had our third children. And I look around the room and I see a few of you, and we journeyed well, we supported each other, and it was a really great time. I think it was for some reason, an especially fertile time in Door of Hope and in Launceston because there were babies everywhere. But we had a great time connecting. One weekend, Danny and I were driving back from the East Coast. I don't remember what we were doing there. We are driving back and we got a phone call when there was service in between the East Coast and here. And we got a call to say that our very good friends, Rebecca and Kyron Fogarty, had some heartbreaking news that their 18-month-old son, Leo, had cancer. Leo was about three weeks older than Ivy at the time, and Beck was in our mother's group. And I remember the view that moment. I remember where I was and what I was seeing when I heard that phone call. Our mother's group, our family, our church were part of that journey with the Fogarty's, often from a distance as they cared and went through this difficult time. And we observed the stories of God's presence and grace in their life. Stories of heartbreak, of weariness, of not yet. They shared this with beautiful authenticity and vulnerability. Not always straight away because these stories were hard to tell. It's hard to put words to that sort of heartbreak. Leo did pass away. He's with Jesus in heaven now. And that was a long time ago. And yet, I received so many gifts from those stories, so many testimonies. When we go through something difficult with God... If we choose to hold it and invite him in, 
and acknowledge his presence, he starts creating something out of this story. He molds it with us. He bumps off some of the spiky edges. He changes our hearts. He gives us a language about this story. And it becomes something quite tangible. Rebecca and Kyron did that. People in our Hope Stories last week did that. They took stories that were hard and heartbreaking sometimes, and with God they put some language in it. And when it was at a place where they could, they put it in some packaging and they gifted it to us. And they said, here, you can share this story, this good news of God's grace. I'm sharing it with you. I've received so many of those gifts over my last 25 years at Door of Hope where people have gifted me, gifted our family, their stories of God's grace. Some of them didn't resolve. There are babies in heaven. There are marriages that aren't anymore. There are jobs and careers that have gone. But the gift of receiving that story encourages my walk with Jesus and gives me a bigger picture of God and helps us to walk well and share it. Maybe we get a third or fourth hand gift as we retell the stories of God's grace. Can you gift your story? Maybe you need to write it down physically. Communion is physical, right? It's something we do. Maybe you need a pen and a paper. Start writing it down as God forms that into a gift you can give someone, door of hope. Our testimony of God's grace can be gift to others. Have you shared a gift lately? Have you shared what God has been doing? What would it look like to hold your story and ask God to prepare it for sharing? to allow God to soften those edges because he'll do a work in you while you do that and then he'll do a work in the people that hear it. He passes on that work. We stand for Jesus in a weary world, door of hope, through our testimony of his good news. We contend in this weary world, not with a shiny badge that says, don't worry, be happy, not with a shiny badge that says everything's gonna be okay, but with a Jesus who is with us in the weariness. That's how we contend in this world. We are still waiting. Jesus promises that he will come back and restore us and this world to the perfect creation he made. He will do that. But in the meantime, how glorious is it that we get to share his grace with others? How glorious that we get to be Jesus in this world. We get to do that together in community because of what he's done in us. And if you have no idea what he's done in you, maybe you're not even aware that he's available to do stuff. He can. When you invite his Holy Spirit to be present in your life, he goes to work. And often it's a little bit at a time. Have you noticed you don't ever see plants growing? I wonder at this still. I still am amazed. You can watch them for hours, nothing. Come back the next morning and they're huge. We don't see growth 
unless we look back. That's how God, Holy, how his Holy Spirit works in us. So I encourage you, Door of Hope. I encourage you to process those stories of God's grace. And as Paul did, contend with this world by stories of his grace. We're going to sing another song in a moment of recognizing our God as the worship band, as the team come back on. We're going to pray, and I want to pray for you and encourage you in this season. As we head into a full time of the year, a busy time, can we prepare our stories? Let's pray together. Our gracious God, who sent your Son to be present with us and the Holy Spirit to be in us today. Lord, you do good things. Sometimes you do them really slowly. And sometimes they look nothing like we expect. Jesus didn't look anything like people expected, yet he was the saviour of the world and the perfecter of our faith. Lord Jesus, as we consider what it might mean to gift our stories of grace to others, would you guide us? Would your Holy Spirit just gently encourage us? As we write, would you bring words? Would you heal our hearts as we do that? Would you help us consider others? Others right here in Launceston or in Australia or online that we know that are going through hard things. Would you help us consider your church around the world, many of whom can't even speak of you in a public setting for fear of imprisonment or death or having their place of worship burnt to the ground. You see them, God, and we lift them before you and ask, would you come close to the sheep of your pastures, Lord? Would you come near? Would you bring healing and restoration? Would you bring life? Would you bring your grace into those situations, we pray? Thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. And as we sing of who you are, would you encourage our spirits? Would you enliven our faith? Would you help us to know that you are a good God? Amen. Thanks, team.